Hello, and welcome to the Content Minds. I misplaced the top of my mic stand, and so I'm currently talking to you uh, into a microphone that's in a coffee cup. My name is Ryan Broderick. Did I say that? Did I say Ryan? No, I don't think so. I can't remember. I wasn't listening. Okay. My name is Ryan Broderick. Yeah, I mean, that's how the real people record it. That's like the, 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 it's the working class way to record a podcast. That's right. That's, that's, a, that's a cool trick. What's your name? Uh, my name is Luke Bailey, and uh, I am recording in my normal setup. But having been into the office today, which means I've had to take the tube and, oh, commuting is awful. I hate it. It is, it is the worst. Did you just open a can of something? Yes, open a can of beer. Oh, okay. Well, that'll this be was, in. This was, actually, this was going to be my uh, what content we consume this week because I'm, I'm consuming a lot of, of, of craft beers of various things where I'm just going into like a news agent I walk past and taking whatever craft beer they have. And it's fascinating, but there's a real problem because uh, there's a pretty big variation in the amount of alcohol in them. Uh, so I have one that's like three point six. We gotta we gotta hold this because if we're gonna do like a whole like British guy discovers craft beer, we're gonna have to like we need a whole segment. It's not discovers beer. It's just it's just there's more available than I swear there was like a year and a half ago. Like a year and a half ago, I a year and a half ago there was like uh, <laughs> Beaver Town and there was a few things, but now there's loads of them. There's stuff I've never heard of. It's great. Well, what are you drinking right now? Uh, right now I am drinking BB Town, but I have another one downstairs, which is a, a crate one, which I've never heard of. But yeah, they basically vary between about like three and a half percent and about seven and a half percent, which is like a lot of variation for just like, oh, I'll pick up the one with a cool design. I'm losing my mind. You're okay. Okay. We're going to, God damn it. Luke. <laughs> You're just describing how craft beer works. Okay. Welcome to the Content Minds. Welcome to the show. <laughs> this week, our big story is about uh, a story I've actually been working on for the last couple of weeks, and I've been dying to talk about it on this show because the the themes involved keep coming up. We're going to be talking about a network of women who make disgusting food videos on Facebook, and the big shocker, the big reveal, as I wrote in a piece in Eater.com this week, is that most of these women are working for the same magician. (laughs) So (laughs) it's crazy. I'm very excited to go down this rabbit hole, but before we do... Whereas usually, usually all the women are working for different magicians. Like, the big twist is the same magician. Somehow, Facebook has allowed a magician to get the monopoly on gross food women. Um, but before we get to that, Luke, how's the internet this week? Um, I'm going to go with uh, scratchy. Scratchy? Are you scratchy. Just, are you just making up different adjectives now? <laughs> I mean, we've been, do- we've, we've been doing this for like 12 weeks, and honestly, uh, it turns out I only know 11 adjectives. Uh, but no, I, I actually do, I do have a think about I do have a thing about scratchy. I think the reason the internet's been scratchy is that it's not, it's not been particularly uniform. Uh, there's not been kind of like a big thing. Uh, so it's been going backwards and forwards, but it's also been like there's been a lot of friction, but not like a lot of big friction. Like nothing's like exploded as a problem. Uh, there hasn't been like a big rolling three day internet story. It's just been lots of little bits here, there, and everywhere. Um, so yeah, I'm going with scratchy. I think that makes sense. I th- there's lots of like minor narratives, and it does sort of feel like we're still in between. You know. I keep saying this where it's like maybe we're in between things, but it's possible that like we just like won't have any more big – it could be that like the big stories of the beginning of the year like won't happen again. Yeah, man. It's it's the end of history. This happened in the 1990s. Uh, Francis Fukuyama said like, you know, we've hit it. We've hit the point. It's the end of history. There's no more news happening. Uh, and it, as, as we know, there has been no more news for the last 20 years. It's been very calm. That's true. And especially this last year and especially this last couple of weeks, no major international news of any kind. No. Well, do you have anything fun to show me? Do you have anything good? Um, we got some bits and pieces. Obviously, last week we had an election. Uh, so that was fun. Uh, it was it was bad for the bad for labor. It was good for some other people. Uh, it, it, was, it was quite, it was really unclear, like, kind of what happened. Like, Labour did really well in Wales because they're already in government in Wales. The SNP did really well in Scotland because they're already in government there. Conservatives did really well in, in England because they're already in government there. Uh, and then it just all got a bit, like, tangled up. Uh, it was kind of, so, so the last probably 10 plus years, uh, we've been in a situation where UKIP or the Brexit Party or whoever hates the EU the most has been taking, like, 25% of the vote in a lot of these, like, constituencies now we've left the eu this was the first like proper election without 
like post Brexit. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And as a result, they all ended up going to the Conservatives, which we kind of assumed they would have. But it's this thing of like, That's you know, crazy that yeah. in a post Brexit England, everyone would become more conservative. That's so wild. But in Hartlepool, like you know, Labour won the seat has been has won the seat for the, for the last like sixty five years, and they lost it for the first time this year. But in 2015, they got 35% of the vote. In 2021, they got 28% of the vote. But in in, in uh, 2015, they won by 6%. This year, they lost by, I think, like 17%. They lost by like a huge amount. Uh, even, okay. though, even though the vote hadn't actually changed that much, just because the other votes always always been split. So there's a lot of stuff coming home to roost. But what I actually want to talk about uh, mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. the most fascinating thing that I find on Wikipedia is looking at like, uh, local councils because this is what the election was for local was local councils and seeing the kind of just the very big drama about like you can tell this stuff has happened over the course of like six months and there's one i found uh where the council was owned by some independents and then there were also additional independents under the name of it's our country and then a, another a third group of independents so there are three basically the three change uk's in this one council uh, one of whom had power. And then over the course of uh, six months, uh, the main group lost five councils. They started another independence group called the True Independence, while the independents uh, were a separate group. The independents then joined the original independence group, while the True Independence stayed truly independent. The It's Our Country independent group then joined the True Independence group. While the- <laughs> My fucking brain, man. Okay, wait. Okay, wait. So for people listening, if you're not familiar with this phenomenon, there seems to be this trend of modern British politics where like a bunch of very boring people who love to fight with each other split away from political parties, declare that they're independent and – Basically, they're just like centrists, right? Like that's sort of what this is. Well, this is the local councils. They're sort of centrist, but they also just have really strong opinions on like one thing. So the big division here seems to be that there was a bypass road and they couldn't agree on it. <laughs> <laughs> and as a result, everyone on this council like split. People quit. Someone, someone quit, and then a husband got elected. Uh, and they just uh, then someone died. And they created another thing, and there was another vacancy, and then there was another realignment. And yeah, just okay. it's, it's great when you kind of because. Obviously, we got a report on this stuff, and I'm putting like together these charts and stuff, and I'm like, hmm, that's weird. Why is this one council says that it's still independent? And you look at it, and you're like, this doesn't tell us anything about politics. This is just nonsense. This is 25 people arguing with each other and just constantly changing alliances. I would argue that tells you a lot about politics, because that's all politics is. It's just a lot of people fighting with each other and changing alliances. Probably. Probably. Yeah, and then also... This week, the, the parliament actually came back because we take a break while we have the local elections. Uh, and every American has determined that the, the queen is making an awful lot of decisions suddenly. Yeah, I mean, well, you guys just call her in, right? Like when you need something to be done, right? She's sort of like the grand arbiter. Well, she doesn't get a choice. She just comes in and says, my government will do this. And the government hands her a piece of paper saying what they'll do. And she'll say, she says, my government does this. But everyone in the US has for some reason represented as the queen has decided to do this. Yeah, I mean, we have a really fucked up relationship with your monarchy. It's very strange. It's got worse. It somehow got worse <laughs> than it was 240 Five years ago? I think it's because right now Americans are all kind of radicalized. And so they're really, really, really interested in recognizing the divine right of kings uh, because of Facebook. So everyone really wants like, you know, an Elon Musk techno king or like they want someone in charge because the world is so crazy. So they're sort of I think I think many conservative Americans are very jealous of your country because they believe that there is an old woman who can just decide whether or not something can happen and that makes them feel comforted and less crazy. Well, so basically it was, as American outlets are tweeting things like the Queen of England will announce tomorrow that citizens are required to show photo ID to vote in general elections. We're doing a we're doing voter ID thing. We're doing vote suppression now. We, you know, we we had to follow in the in the in the footsteps of America. But then a load of American conservative commentators were like hey does this mean the queen's racist it's like that that's a problem that's 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 wrong on an yes, awful lot of reasons she is she a, is she probably is racist. they are yeah. yes <laughs> she's a 90 something year old woman who exists because of imperialism and colonialism yes <laughs> yes <laughs> but it's it's not only that it's like is the queen racist probably uh it's <laughs> 
<laughs> we also have uh, the fact that she's not making decisions that she's being accused of being racist about. Oh, I see. This is a whole Donald Glover talking about being cancelled situation. It is exactly a Donald Glover being talking talking about being cancelled situation. Which, okay, quick quick aside to sum that up, just because there is some <laughs> confusion, I think, out there. Donald Glover went on a Twitter thread about how people are making TV shows uh, aren't making good TV shows because they're afraid of being cancelled. Then a bunch of conservatives were like, thank you, Donald Glover, for speaking the truth. <laughs> And then it seems more and more likely that what Donald Glover was talking about was TV shows being canceled, like taken off the air. Uh, he has not clarified, as far as I'm aware, which he meant, but I'm going to guess the guy who made This Is America is not talking about cancel culture, because uh, we kind of know what his thoughts are about all of that. He made it very clear. Yes, he's made um, it very clear repeatedly. Yeah, so uh, unless he's had a drastic change of heart in the last two years, I think we can probably agree that he's talking about his show being canceled. But at the same time, conservatives are so desperate for like anything to hang on to that, like, of course they're going to do that with the queen because like that's their entire strategy right now. Also, vote RD is also racist in the UK, like the exact same contours of ah, people who are black or. Bangladeshi or Indian are much less likely to have passports to have driving license, and therefore it's just straight up vote suppression, exactly the same as it is in the US. Exactly. Except the Queen says it this time. Right. Well, the Queen says it because she has to because they told her to say it. Right. I think. Okay. I think I understand. It's been. It's been. It's. It's. It's been very strange though watching the number of like reputable American outlets say. The Queen has announced this. It's like, I mean... We love that. We love that. It's not... She hasn't decreed it. She has no constitutional power. It's all backroom power. We just want the Queen to come over and give us gasoline because we don't have any more gasoline. Okay, right. So someone needs to explain this to me because <laughs> I, I saw a tweet which was from the... I think the, the American Department of Energy or commerce or something saying please don't use plastic carrier bags to store gasoline and i have no explanation for this okay i, I, <laughs> I just looked at it, i was like you know what i'm gonna leave this i'm gonna assume that this is fine okay so like all all things in american culture that are confusing and presented with no context obviously this is based on a viral tweet oh, because cool. my country is sick so we are currently having a gas shortage across different parts of the country where my family is, uh, who are the only people I know who own cars because I'm a 30-something millennial. Um, they have not had to deal with this yet because they live in Massachusetts, but it is slowly working its way across the country. The gas shortage is uh, due to panic buying, which um, is exacerbating a overall uh, bad situation happening with the colonial pipeline, which is being held uh, by ransomware. I'm sorry, a colonial okay. pipeline. It's called colonial pipeline. It's it's oh. not a colonial pipeline. We're not Canada. It's colonial pipeline. A company. Okay. So Colonial Pipeline, the company, was attacked by ransomware. And then people started panic buying gasoline because they thought that there'd be no more gasoline. But it turns out when you panic buy, what happens? You end up uh, buying more gasoline. So yep. there's less gasoline. And amid this crisis, a photo uh, was tweeted out that showed a guy filling up plastic bags, like shopping bags <laughs> with gas. Because he was that freaked out. Weirdly, the the gas shortage stuff that I've been seeing, at first I thought it wasn't real because the only people I saw tweeting it were like weird Pacific Northwest TERFs and QAnon people who are slowly becoming the same people. Cool. But it does appear to be real uh, in a sense. Uh, just to clarify how confusing this is, the energy secretary, Jennifer Granholm, has denied that there are shortages but said that there's a supply crunch – and the full quote was, it's not that we have a gasoline shortage, it's that we have this supply crunch and that things will be back to normal soon and that we're asking people not to hoard and know that we are all over this. We know that we have gasoline, we just have to get it to the right places. And I believe I read today that that big issue is that the trucks that can move the gasoline require their own gasoline, thus making uh. it very difficult to get the gas where it needs to be. So they're... It's very confusing. Could they not take the gas that's in the back of the trucks? I mean, if you, what if you put a hose from the exhaust yeah. back into the gas tank so that way you could just make the gas that you're using go back into the car? Yeah, that would make sense. I don't know. This I is so easy to solve. Dude, I could solve this in a day. It's called trains, and we need more of them in America. <laughs> That's it. That's that's my take. Um, at the end of the day, please do not put gasoline in plastic bags. <laughs> right. If you want to store gasoline, get jerry cans like a normal person and fill them up. 
with gasoline. Is a jerry can a gas canister? Uh, uh, is a jerry a jerry can is like the plastic. Can, it's a can, you have a jerry can. I, I, I don't know how to communicate this to you. A jerry can is the plastic is thing the, that you have. The red plastic. Gasoline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, red plastic. Okay, yeah. okay. I actually remember this happening in the UK a few years ago. Uh, probably I don't know. It's been ten years ago now. Uh, maybe maybe longer than that. Uh, where we had a, a, a strikes. We had a hoarders strike, uh, and they they blocked the entrances to all of the the petrol stations. Uh, or the petrol refineries, uh, which meant, yeah, there was just no petrol. But apparently the supply never dropped low enough for it to be a real problem, but just everyone started buying a lot more. So everyone was just driving around with an extra half tank of petrol that they didn't need. And as a result, we ran out of petrol. But it was a thing. It was a thing. I'm pretty sure I missed school for like some days because we just didn't have petrol. Personally, for me, I always had to carry an extra canister of gas in my pickup truck in high school because my dad gifted me a 1986 Nissan pickup truck to drive to school when I was a teenager, but the pickup truck, uh, which I nicknamed Optimus Prime, the pickup truck uh, only ha- uh, could be filled halfway because there was a hole in the gas tank and all the gasoline would spill out if I sure. like filled it up too high and then it like went on a hill or something and it would slosh and then it would spill out. Did you try covering the hole? Couldn't do it. And then uh, I had a gas. I, I had a gas tank. I, I, I had just get it. Just get like a welding torch and go around and weld it. It just didn't work. Uh, and then so I had spare gas canisters in the back. And then I also had a fire extinguisher because sometimes it would smoke or catch fire. And then sure. I finally had to get rid of the truck because the bottom fell out like a Flintstones car. Right. And you weren't okay with that. No, because you could see the road through the right, car, right. which is not ideal. You're not supposed to. That's not that's not a good We can thing. see how fast you can see how fast you're going. You definitely can. Uh, it also <laughs> couldn't it, it didn't have a fifth gear. It was a stick shift and it didn't have a fifth right. gear. So um on the highway sometimes by stick by stick shift you mean normal car. Yeah, it was a manual transmission. So uh, ladies ladies listening, I can drive stick. British ladies listening, everyone can. <laughs> and so I could only go about 50 miles an hour on the highway unless there was a hill that I was going down, and which made people very angry because it was a very old truck going very, very slowly on the highway, <laughs> uh, full of leaking gas. So it was just not good all around. Um, so, so what you're saying is your dad tried to kill you. I just think it was a really good way to teach me responsibility. Um, it was a way to teach me that I couldn't go very far unless I was willing to continually fill up my gas tank along the way. Speaking of which, before we get into our main topic this week, do you got any more cool internet stuff for me? I mean, I think this is a very content minds thing, but we should talk about the Gwyneth Paltrow thing. Talk me through it. If you haven't seen it, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow was on an American talk show. I don't know which one. They're all the same to me. Uh, and she put something along the lines, she said something along the lines of she, she, Drank two cocktails a night uh, and made bread and pasta. Same. Which, like, yeah, sure, everyone did that. Like, fine. Uh, the Guardian then kind of framed it as a uh, Gwyneth Paltrow said her lowest moment in the, the pandemic was eating bread. What was yours? Right. Which also is not what she said. She basically said like, oh god, yeah, pandemic. I went off the rails. I was doing all sorts of different things. I was like making bread or whatever. Like, and it was it was a kind of a normal thing. I, f- I feel like a conversation an awful lot of people have had post-pandemic about just like weird habits they've picked up and all these sorts of things and yeah that that was pretty much it but of course everyone absolutely slaughtered this onto it and was just like screaming at the guardians well no actually maybe they were screaming at gwyneth paltrow and just being like they're screaming at gwyneth paltrow yeah it's like hundreds of thousand people died how could you say this and she's like well she didn't and that's what's it's just wild about it i don't want to get too far ahead of myself but i was included in a twitter moment for this eater story that I wrote this week. Okay. And that's the worst thing that can happen to you because you are suddenly uh, introduced to thousands of insane people on Twitter who do not read, cannot read, and are very angry. And there is definitely like a phenomenon where Twitter has become such a rage factory that even if you went and you told all these people that that's not what Gwyneth Paltrow said, she would be still the person they're mad at because they're just fucking mad. They're like, and she's and she's rich. Like th- this is th- this is it. Like she's a rich white lady, so everyone's gonna be really mad at her. Yeah, and literally everyone was saying, "My my family died. I had to tell people they were dying." And it's like, yeah, no, that's fine, but that's not what she said. And it is, oh, yeah, just yeah, the amount of energy and fury that went into it. That's like, come on, like what what are we doing here? But, like, that's the whole point. And The Guardian knows this. Like, The Guardian isn't run by idiots. They knew exactly what they were doing. And if they didn't, 
the person who actually there's actually no I should take that back. It's a fifty fifty chance they knew what they were doing because they could also just be out of touch enough to think that like that was no, fine and normal. Well, if it helps, the original person who uh, aggregated it from a podcast was the Mirror, so you know it was it was quality all the way down. See, I feel like Americans really still do not grasp this about UK news, which is that it's sort of like a Russian nesting doll of garbage. And it's not exactly misinformation as much as it is like it's tabloid. Yeah, but it's like it's like stacking up liability. So you're not the one that's pushing the bullshit, but you still want to be able to profit off the bullshit. So like it can take you sometimes nine or ten sources to get to the very bottom of like what everyone's talking about. And it turns out it was like a misheard quote from a YouTube interview five months ago or something. Yeah, that's relatively common. Uh, and yeah, and, and this particular example is is quite good of that because it is just going all the way down and figuring out that there's not a huge amount there. Right. Also, the Guardian changed the headline on it, but did not delete the tweet. So, well, why would you? It was doing numbers. It was getting engagement. The Guardian's got to sell dildos and projector lights beneath that. They need those <laughs> numbers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We have done a couple episodes recently that have been chasing after something that I am very excited about having an answer to, which is why are things on Facebook the way they are? Why are these (laughs) like why are Facebook videos so fucking crazy looking and don't make any sense? And who is making them? And why are we all pissed off about stuff that's not real? And if we ask them nicely, will they stop? Yeah, but it. I mean, they're not going to, it turns out. And it also turns out that most of this content is created by one guy. His name is Rick Lax. And uh, on Tuesday, a piece of mine from uh, was published on Eater.com. It has the whole story about this. And we're going to go through it piece by piece. So what I want to start with is, Luke, when did you first start noticing random videos of beautiful white women cooking disgusting food going viral on the internet? I mean, I'm going to have to say right up front that, you know, beautiful your mileage may vary they all look american like extremely <laughs> uh, yes. american like extremely it, american it's hard to under it's hard to like not talk about just how american they look like it is the fundamental element of their personality and their aesthetic is american it's quintessentially american yes so i feel like it was probably six ish months ago like the thing is 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 this stuff has existed for a long time like the progenitor of this was probably buzzfeed tasty which was aimed at, at recipes but there are other iterations of it there's obviously the uh i think it's 15 minute hacks or five my well, five minute hacks i think it is which has been sped up youtube videos which have consistently been kind of surreal but there is something really powerful about this kind of process of like start with a thing where it will end up no one knows uh so this specific iteration of it of americans in a kitchen doing something that is slightly absurd i think the first <laughs> version was the american woman who lived in britain making the bad tea oh i think i remember this i oh i okay describe this so so she is again looks incredibly american uh i i I, it's very hard to explain what aesthetic is but it's just it is a specific aesthetic it looks american but she's in a british kitchen which is weird so it would be a person who's like got nice teeth and is a little too tan for the season uh that she's in wearing probably some form of athleisure and like has very very conditioned hair uh no Denim. I believe there was too much denim. Denim. Either okay, it's it's too much of a weird specific fabric, and their hair yeah. is usually very conditioned. Very, very conditioned. Extremely well conditioned okay. hair. Um so yeah, so so she is in this kitchen, she has a jug, and she basically can't stop giggling the whole way through. Like once you realize that it's a prank, you're like, oh, okay. She says, Okay, we're gonna make the demos- we're gonna demonstrate the procedure of what she called British tea, uh, which means she filled a mug with water from the tap. Then heat it in the microwave for a minute. Hey guys, so I got a lot of questions after my last video, and everyone wanted to see me make hot tea or British tea. So today we are going to make tea. So fill our mug with water, put it in the microwave, set it for a minute, pour the milk in, drop your tea bag in, add the sugar, give it a little stir. And that's how you make hot tea. Oh, this woman. Yeah. Jshell36. Yes. yes. Okay. Then poured milk into the mug, drops in a tea bag, then added sugar and went, this is how you make British tea. Now, it was fascinating because what I think the most 
compelling thing about this will be is that every single British person who listens to the podcast will be like, that's ridiculous. Also, she's wrong, and here's why. Uh, because that right. is the most powerful thing about food videos. Like, it is, it is someone does something and you're ang- you, you know that they're playing you, and yet still you want to give your opinion. Of course, yeah. So that's kind of the first iteration of these that I think I remember seeing. And I, this it wasn't linked to this, I, I don't think, as, as far as I know, maybe it is now. Um, but that was kind of the version of like, okay, moms, American moms understand what trolling is. And that was the moment. Some of them. That's why, see, that's why this is difficult, is that some of these women do know that they're trolling and other ones do not. And it all gets sort of aggregated together by largely like young stan army accounts like 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 lana del rey stands like yeah, yeah. the, those that, that tier of user are usually the people that are responsible for you seeing these videos if you're on twitter so the way this tends to work from what i've just what i discovered is that there are probably 12 to 20 people currently working for one magician named rick lax and rick lax i'm sorry but can we just talk about the name rick lax briefly because it is he's from detroit he writes books about Las Vegas, and in 2015, he became a massive, massive, massive Facebook watch success. Also, he has the name. He has a name like a pedal cab driver who needs to shit. What? He's a name like a pedal cab driver who needs to shit. Rick Lax. Rick. Rick Lax. Oh man, that is a very dense joke. That is it. Like that is an incredibly dense joke. Wow, that, that threw me off. Okay. Uh, right. So, <laughs> I mean, sorry, have you not been rep- through the report in this story, not been thinking constantly, like, you have the name of, like, a laxative? Well, no, everyone on Twitter was tweeting at me more like X-Lax, am I right? Which, okay, fair, sure. fair enough. So, Rick Lax, he starts his Facebook watch network. It starts to become very popular. He has, like, 14 million followers on his main page, and he's got millions of followers on other pages. And for a while, he was kind of like the main guy you would see on Facebook Watch. I remember when we did our episode about Facebook Watch a couple months ago, we had a lot of questions about, like, who are making these videos? Where are these videos coming from? Why do all of these videos exist? Why are they all exactly three minutes and ten seconds long? It turns out it's because Facebook Watch doesn't really exist anymore. And all of these creators have stuck around and figured out how to game the time on site metrics they need to hit to go viral. Yeah, And Rick Lax has figured out that the main way to get people to watch your content is to go for what he described as watch time. And I think it's not an accident that he figured out that the two things that get the most watch time are prank videos and food videos, and he's combined the two into whatever these are. Which begs the question, who is pranking who? Well, what's crazy about these videos is that they're edited when you see them on Twitter. There are punchlines to them. A lot of them have them. The toilet bowl ice cream comes from Rick Lax's network, and the toilet bowl ice cream has a punchline. Well, this is, so this is fascinating because it's really hard. It's quite hard to put a video on Twitter that's longer than two minutes and twenty seconds long. Exactly. Whereas on Facebook, it's three minutes. So they have to have the full three minutes to hit the Facebook watch time needs. But the punchlines are at the end, which is why you get people watching. So when these kids upload them to Twitter, they cut off the punchline, which makes it look like surreal pornography. Yeah, there's a big theory, actually, about all these videos that is going went really big on TikTok. And I, yeah, people keep messaging it to me because I had a, a tweet about it the other day and people, like three people had messages to me being like, it's a fetish thing. And I'm like, it's not a fetish thing. Uh, I mean, I'm sure it is for someone, so, uh, someone somewhere and, and, you know. More power to you. But it is not a specific fetish thing, but they, everyone is all, – all the Zoomers on TikTok are convinced it is. Well, so this is this is a difficult dimension of this. I spoke to uh, two of the women involved with Rick Lax's network. I spoke to a woman named Getty who – she made the ball of hamburger meat with the pasta inside of it covered in nerds candy. Do you remember that one? Right there in the center. We're going to do one more. Hi-ya! All right. Here's my next set. You gotta flip it very gently and notice that the spaghetti is still uncooked. Special recipe that I like to call Getty Spaghetti. I didn't watch it, I'll be honest. It made Italians very angry. Uh, she's delightful. Uh, I should also say this is like, for the most part, everyone involved in this content network, we're all really nice and really happy to talk. And I also spoke to Janelle Flom. She was the woman who did the uh, spaghetti o pie video. Chunks are all spread equally. Good. 
This happens really quickly, so just hurry up. Tip that aside. Okay. This is the fastest family recipe for dinner that you'll ever see. She also did the Sprite pie. She buttered the pie crust. A very important first step. Full cup of sugar. Bible. She did a bunch of other like gross pie videos. Both of them very nice people and like very aware of what they were doing. Very like in on their own joke. Yeah. I don't think that they're doing a fetish thing. I really don't. I think no. there's also there's also older women involved with this. There are men involved with this. It's not it's but at the same time, I was having this conversation in the Garbage Day Discord and it's a little uncomfortable to think about. But I think the porn aspects to these videos comes from the fact that both pornography and these videos are based around kind of like a big finish kind of like a ramping of expectations kind of like a rising tension that like then releases at the end and i think that like what we're kind of seeing is like the aesthetics of a particular kind of like physical thing you're trying to get out of these videos like they're they're visceral it's kind well, i mean it's, it's not dissimilar from like a fight video or something it's it's I mean, if you think or about a like popping video, there's a thing about like human basic needs, right? Where it's like, you know, food, sex, shelter, whatever. Like this is the food version of sex. That's no, that's not working at all. Um. <laughs> no, but I know what you mean, and it's because what what he's done is they have they have reduced video content to its most bare essentials and then reconstructed it to be fully optimized for a robot, which is the thing that lives inside of Facebook that shows you stuff. And yeah. so I want to tell you a, a, a fact that he told me that because I know this is going to make you go fucking crazy. Right. You know the countertop nachos video? Uh, yes. Okay, so he said, Rick Lax told me, that that was his idea. Do you know, can you guess how he came up with that idea? I mean, God, so if I was reverse engineering this from a pure content perspective, what you right. were doing is looking for these the most viral foods. And the most viral foods are a combination of the most accessible foods and the most, uh, uh, I want to say comfort foods. That's not quite what I mean. But what it mean, what I mean is that, you know, burgers are more viral than steak uh and what's another good one like pasta is more viral than risotto like it's that it's that specific thing of you're looking for like a, a thing that everyone likes like a, or not everyone likes but an awful lot of people like but is also kind of relatable and can be kind of turned up a notch like no one wants to see the world's biggest risotto people might want to see the world's biggest macaroni cheese that's kind of the vibe. So that's not too far away, but it, it he's thinking about it in an even more abstract way, which like kind of chilled me to my core when he told me about it, which was that he said that he saw videos trending on Facebook of food stalls and food markets. Mm -hmm. And he sat, he sat there and he thought, okay, why are they going viral? And his assumption was that people naturally are drawn to video footage of food laid out on countertops. That is not wild so there's a long-running theory about the internet that some things are more viral than others so and this is a, from a purely visual aesthetic perspective uh, a lot of it is related to how you see the world so what you want to do your ideal thumbnail is how you personally see the world like you we want to create something that is seeing something through your own uh, eyes so for example someone holding something ahead of them in their hand is very viral whereas someone holding something and handing it to you not so viral like that that is there is a pure line on that and thinking about countertops that does kind of make sense like if you're looking at a countertop with a covered in food you're going to look at it like it's looking at like looking at a, a buffet or a, or a barbecue or whatever it is like right, you're gonna right. look at food laid out so i do actually see that that does make sense that's very annoying <laughs> <laughs> uh, right and so that is I got a very, I got a pretty decent glimpse of their process, and it's not dissimilar from like any other digital media company. They they meet on Zoom, they talk about what they want to do, they collaborate with each other. It is very much like a hype house. Most of these women were Vegas performers of some kind. Uh, the woman who did the uh, hamburger meat full of spaghetti, she's a hula hoop instructor. So like these people weren't working due to COVID; they needed something to do. They're making shitloads of money. 
What's craziest though? That ex- that explains why the house is so big because they all live outside Vegas where there is nothing but space. Well, they they live in the they live in the suburbs. Yeah, some of them live in California. So I think some of them live in Minnesota. But yes, they 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 all have kind of like very similar aesthetics to their homes and stuff. But the craziest thing of all that I learned is that they are a- aware of their videos going viral on Twitter and they're fucking pissed. That's so funny. That's I mean that is it is the creation of the I see if typically if you have a good video or a video that you're proud of and someone rips it off and goes viral instead of you you are quite annoyed but you are also kind of like well if it goes big in another platform i'm gonna get a bunch of new followers like you know i'm a great crossover so you kind of get a splashback effect benefit of it well that suggests and this doesn't surprise me at all because one of the things that i when i was looking at this i was really interested by was the fact that none of these shows none of these women none of these individuals who weren't break lacks had many followers no they don't they actually are pretty small time yeah the 20,000, 25,000 followers. But when you go down their actual pages, a lot of their videos have like millions of views. They're the sort of page that if you looked at their view stats in 2017, you would have anticipated them having 10 million followers. And they don't. They have a lot fewer than that, but because it's a network, they're getting more than that, but they're not getting the followers from it. So I can really understand how they're looking from the perspective of the only thing that really matters is the views. So if they get an extra 1,000 followers, like they're not doing it for followers. They're not going to get the followers. They're going to get the views. So the views going elsewhere means you're like, yeah, you would be really pissed at that. That's my theory. I, no, I think your theory is correct. And I also think it shows you exactly how bankrupt, like creatively and existentially and spiritually, the Facebook algorithm is. Because what they've discovered is that it is easier and makes more sense to exist inside of Facebook at without a brand, without any sort of like audience, without any sort of fan base. And just like, it, it would be the equivalent of like flashing people on the side of the highway. Like that's what they're doing because no one's going to see one of their videos on Twitter and be like, I need to follow this page. This is great content. Yeah. They're going to go fucking ballistic and like threaten to murder them, which is also happening yeah. because these people have discovered that they can make more money faster by making more views faster, by simply optimizing for zero brand awareness. Because, and I think this is like a thing that has been bugging me for a decade, for many of the, most (laughs) of the time that you and I were working together. Because if, if you follow the logical, if you follow the logic of publishing on Facebook, there is no incentive to have any kind of audience there. No. You don't really need it because you can just game it because – and it's not even gaming it. You're just – you're doing what the robot wants and then the robot will reward you. Yeah. I mean that's exactly it. And I, I think there used to be a value to a Facebook audience. I don't know that there is any more. Like, I think that's probably gone. Um, yeah, maybe. I don't know. I mean I think there's also something really interesting about the – specific mechanics of attempting to get people to three minutes and 10 seconds watch time. Like the, <laughs> the, the mechanics of having to look at this stuff and be like, right, I need something that I can make. I can spend roughly three minutes doing. And you can tell because like they hit, yes. if you watch this stuff, there's always like marker points. And if you actually work it out, like that often they are like 40 seconds of this, 40 seconds of stage two, 40 seconds of stage three, 40 seconds of stage four, 30 seconds of finale and and like you can almost see like they're like oh they'll they'll the spaghetti one is a really good example this was going around earlier uh, earlier this week the, the, the counter the counter spaghetti you're talking about the counter yeah. spaghetti I'm- oh my gosh holy cow that's just that's just amazing that's amazing and it's fun. It's all just right in front of you. You don't have to worry about dishes or a mess or anything like that. It's on your countertop. Yeah, this is the this is how it works. I'm worried we haven't explained these in enough detail to people who don't know what we're talking about. But but the 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 gist of this is this is a good example of one. Someone got a load of red sauce. Uh, apparently, you can buy this in bottles in America, which is okay what the fuck are you talking about luke of course you can buy in bottles you can buy in bottles in the uk what are you talking about you can buy it in jars in the uk you can't buy it in what she had which was uh, like a three liter bottle of tomato sauce like a prego sauce oh that's um that's like you buy that at like costco or like a like a restaurant supply depot but yeah you can do that right but okay we yeah we don't have that 
not so much. But yeah, it's she- because Americans live very isolated lives in gigantic compounds, and then once a month they drive to a big pack- packaging center and they <laughs> buy enough food to feed an army, and then go back to their very lonely existences in the suburbs, where they, Adam Curtis voice, take Vicodin and have many, many delusions about the paranoia that exists outside the suburbs. Okay, continue. Terrible Adam Curtis voice, but this one, uh, yeah, you. basically there's a, there's a countertop, uh, and uh, she she pours out this red sauce everywhere. Uh, then she gets uh, meatballs, which she says in, oh, she doesn't say meatballs in Italian. She says she just says meatballs, meatballs. Yeah, that's what that's what Americans say. That's what Americans say as, as meatballs. Um, yeah, which yeah, is, like, is uh, for being yeah. fun. Yeah, meatballs. Yeah, it, 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 it's. <laughs> I find I find it deeply funny that someone goes a meat double and it's like right cool. Uh, anyway, she puts the meatballs out uh, and then she pours uh, a lot of a lot of parmesan on it, which, which yeah. is called I think parmigiano or something in it. Like it's not parmigiano, it's it's something else, and everything is mispronounced in the video, which I think is again probably part of it. Yeah, uh, huge amount of cheese dumps a load of spaghetti over it. But then, for example, when she dumps the spaghetti, she actually gets the spaghetti out, which she also calls spaghetti noodles, which, again, wrong. Uh, she pours the spaghetti out. You're having a very, you're having a very, very bizarre reaction to all of this. Like, this is, I feel like this is psychologically damaging you, trying to talk through this. This is, this is, the, this is the thing about it, is that everything about it is just ever so slightly off. And I think particularly, maybe if you're particularly British, it feels more slightly off. Uh, whereas if you're American, maybe the, the, it, it's more just gross out. But yeah, then she dumps all the spaghetti on, which she clearly does quickly, quicker than she intends, uh, and then yeah. just mixes it up. But, you know, looking at it, it's like none of the stuff you're putting on this surface is warm. Like, you you can't take the tomato sauce out of a bottle that has been sitting on the side, which is going to be just room temperature. So the warmth is what's bothering you here? Among things. Like she's clearly putting, <laughs> that's what's that's what's bu- bugging you. Well, the okay. spa- this is what's bugging. What's bugging me is the spaghetti that she puts out is fresh, so the spaghetti uh-huh. is hot. Like there's steam uh-huh. coming off it. So she's put cold tomato sauce, cold meatballs, a dusting of cheese. It's not cheese. It's sawdust. But well, a dusting of of cheese sawdust, and then hot spaghetti on top of it. Okay, wait. This isn't the point. But like the spaghetti would heat up the sauce and the meatballs. No, it would not. Okay, have you ever got a bowl of spaghetti and put some meatballs in to cook it? Have you ever cooked a meatball using spaghetti? Just, just throwing that I, I have definitely put cold tomato sauce on hot spaghetti, and then it was warm by the time I ate it. Okay, but have you done that on a countertop? No, not on a countertop. Right. Okay, all of that aside, you are you are correct. Like that is that is what they're doing, uh, and it and it speaks to like how internet content is broken, like how those chum boxes work at the bottom of like the tabula ads that show like the weird fucked up hands and stuff. Or, I mean, this isn't very different from the Spider Man Elsa stuff on YouTube, which if nobody knows what that is, it, there was a rash of channels that were gaming the YouTube algorithm a couple of years ago. And the main channel was a guy was a guy who dressed up like Spider Man, and he like assaulted a woman dressed up like Elsa, and that was like all the videos were like Spider Man attacking Elsa, and they became massively viral. Yeah, and it's because if you make content exactly the way the algorithm wants it, it won't look human anymore, but it will do really well. And it, and what's really strange about it is that humans will consume it. Like little kids loved Spider Man and Elsa, and. There are a lot of very, very, very unwell baby boomers who watch a lot of these videos of women cooking poorly and get very, very upset about it, but they still watch them. And so the videos don't resemble anything a human being would make, but they are being made by human beings. But they're being made by human beings to please a a computer system, which is then spinning them back out to human beings, which makes me feel like it's almost like dream logic. It's like it's like you've broken the source code for how human beings look at video. It's it's like it starts to make me feel kind of like uncomfortable the longer i think about it it's it's just it's very the feeling it gives you is is very much not like videos like kind of these food videos used to give you the feeling of like i want to see how this turns out yeah but now it's kind of i know how this is going to turn out and i want to make sure that this 
exactly meets my ex- my extremely low expectations. And they do it, and then they mix up a load of like spaghetti and meatballs and stuff on a countertop. And you're like, that looks awful. That is that is what I thought was going to happen. <laughs> right. the the <laughs> The last thing that I wanna I wanna make really clear in this because I saw this on Twitter all day yesterday as I was being bombarded in the Twitter moment, which was. Thank you for promoting my tweets, Twitter, but also, like, come on. <laughs> like, please don't put me in a Twitter moment. I I, ha- I, I don't want to be in a Twitter moment. But a lot of people were really, really angry at these women and really, really angry at Rick Lax, which I think is not correct. I don't actually think that they're doing anything wrong. I mean, there were a no. lot of people on Twitter who were like, I can't believe you didn't talk about food shortages. And it's like, please don't. We don't have to do this. Like, that's not what this is about. <laughs> I mean, yes, I'm very sorry that, like, there's food shortages and it is a pandemic and yada, yada, yada. But okay, that's not what's happening here. These people are making a living by exploiting an algorithm. And I don't think they're hurting anybody. I don't think it's particularly nefarious. And, I mean, there are definitely things to be said about the, like, white middle class suburban aesthetic of these videos. But I don't think the people involved are doing anything evil or underhanded. They're also putting disclaimers in all the videos being like, these are fake and these are set satirical and th- this is entertainment. If, if people did not object to them in any way, they probably wouldn't do anything. Because, like, none of this stuff is – I mean, I say that every now and again, one of them I'm, like – I think you're trying to do a disgusting thing here and you've kind of done a thing that actually makes a lot of sense. They told me that there's a mix. Like some of them are supposed to be good and some of them are supposed to be silly. And I think people, it's kind of like to the point you made earlier in the show, which is that like people don't really think that women are capable of like making jokes. Like people aren't capable of thinking that like suburban moms control you. And it's like, of course they control you. Of course they can. Uh, But what I, what I do think is actually quite nefarious in this are the kids on Twitter and TikTok who are taking these videos, cutting out the disclaimers, cutting out the punchlines and then monetizing them with like, projector lights and dildos i think that's like a way worse grift because they're just pissing everybody off for no reason and like if you experience these videos on facebook like you're probably not going to be that angry because like you know exactly what you're looking at yeah but it's the it's the it's the grifters it's the decontextualization exactly like the most recent video you were talking about the spaghetti on the countertop one was shared by like some influencer he was like some verified YouTuber or something. And he obviously knew what he was doing. He found the Rick Lax page, just like I did. And mm-hmm. instead of going like, wait a minute, I could tell people that this is where these videos come from. He did what I did briefly consider doing, which was taking one of the videos, cutting off the end of it, and then tweeting it for clout. And obviously that very evil voice in my head went away. But I think that is actually, if you had to pick a villain in this story, it's the people who are doing that. Like they're taking somebody else's property. They're cutting it up. They're making everybody pissed off. And they're not really even helping these people like build further audiences or anything like yeah i don't know it, it, it seems strange to me that like we're not more mad at that we're not more mad at the like the the clout goblins that are doing this we're we're mad at the women who are like having fun in their kitchens i agree and everyone's everyone's so very keen to dunk on this stuff that for their own personal clout that it yeah it just it strips away any possibility of like irony or context or nuance or, or satire that is included in it yeah, like, I mean, fuck, if you want to put nachos all over your countertop and then roll around in it and film it and put it on Facebook and you can make, like, a living doing that, I would absolutely do that. Can I show you the British version of this? What I think is the British I, version of this? I would love to see the British version of this. All right, all right. Uh, I will drop it in the chat now. Now then, guys, how you doing? Rate my takeaway back on the road again. All right? We're going to a place today in Farnworth, all right? It's called Grandma's Kitchen. Now this old lass here, she's been knocking food out of her kitchen, alright, and she's been posting pictures on Facebook and Instagram. It looks absolutely amazing. A few people have told us about it, so we thought, you know what, let's take the drive, let's get on that motorway and get down to Farnworth and go see this lass. Holy shit. (laughs) So, the video that I've dropped over to Ryan is from a channel called Rate My Takeaway, uh, and the title of this video is called This Grandma in Bolton Cooked and Sold Me Breakfast from Her House. And house is in all caps. Okay, I have skipped ahead because he was in the car talking a, wa- a bunch. And yep. now he's on a very damp sidewalk with a folding table and a chair. Yep. And he's sitting in front of a house. The door opens. And now he has a... Oh, you remember that one time that we were marathoning the Marvel movies and I said that we should like order breakfast yes. on uh, t- for takeaway? And you're like, order breakfast? I've never done that for takeaway. And I was like, yeah, we do it in New York all the time. And then we did and we got a full English and like a tin, like, a, like an aluminum tin and it was kind of disgusting. Yeah. That's what he's eating right now. But on the street outside someone's house. All right, guys, get my table out. 
get it set up and wait for this beautiful breakfast coming. We'll have grey one today. One of these days it's going to be a right laugh on camera when this chair gives way, I'm telling you. Table set up. Beautiful. Lovely. So guys, if I'm honest with you, this has probably got to be one of the weirdest ones I've ever done. Oh, his napkin blew away. Yeah, wow. Oh my God. This is... This video has a million views. A million and 1.5 million views. It's 16 minutes long, which I... Oh, now he's eating a pizza box full of cookies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is honestly great, though. And I don't know if this is the exact thing of what we were talking about, because, like, I don't think... I don't see this as as cynical or as, like, scripted. This, to me, feels more like... This is pure. This is just like a proper bloke having like a good breakfast outside of somebody's house in the middle of nowhere in England. Oh man, he's gonna try vegetarian Indian takeaway. I've got to see this. My favorite thing about this, right, is that if you go to his main video channel, you can see that he is uploading an awful lot of videos. <laughs> like he is uploading more than one video a day of him eating takeaways, which is impressive. But the videos have such good views. Oh my god. Yep. So wait, okay, he's almost every video he's uploaded since starting this 10 months ago have over 100,000 views, if not over half a million views. And then several of them have, so it looks like only one has broke a million. But still, for a channel that kind of appeared out of nowhere to consistently do like 100,000 views, and he has 100,000 subscribers, that means that like 100,000 people followed him and were like, I want to watch every single video that this guy posts. Yeah. He's almost like the opposite of the Facebook people, where like people are into this guy. Yeah. It's 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 incredible. <laughs> um, which, yeah, is all, and it's also particularly good because uh, we're not allowed to eat inside in the UK uh, yet, which means all of these are just him sitting on the street doing it. That's why he has the folding table. And, dude, that is so genius. Oh, I love yeah. that. Um, if you want to follow this channel, it's called Rate My Takeaway. I'll put it in the show notes. This is incredible. Wait, he's going to try a mega full English? What is a mega full English? Why didn't we do this channel when I was living there? Holy shit. Bluntly, we're not northern enough. I think that you're right. I think that's exactly right. Speaking of content and consumption... Luke, have you consumed any content this week to stay sane? Yes. Uh, so I watched the Netflix movie Stowaway uh, at the weekend. How was that? Awful. Yeah, it didn't look very good. It, it, but I it, almost watched it myself. It crystallized something in my mind that it's been kind of percolating through for a while, which is that all Netflix originals are bad now. Mm, mm. Like, I don't remember the last good one. And I movie or TV show? Both. I really liked Shadow and Bone. I thought it was very dumb, but I really liked it. Okay. Uh, I mean, I haven't I haven't watched it, but just everything I watch that is, uh, you know, maybe it's more of a movie thing than a TV show thing. Uh, a movie, yeah. All right, movie and miniseries thing, I think, because a lot of their documentaries are now just genuinely awful in a way that's like, I don't know why you're doing this. I almost watched Seaspiracy or Conspiracy, like the ocean documentary and then i yeah. gave up after like 10 minutes because like this isn't the type of thing i want to watch yeah but there's, there's others that they do there was a there's a was a big one a few uh a few months ago which was uh there was a hotel in la that lots of people died at the cecil hotel yeah, yeah, yeah the yeah, cecil yeah. hotel and the entire gist of it they spent like four episodes getting really deep into like what these people had theorized had happened to this this woman because like there was lots of strange evidence and stuff uh but the entire thing was predicated on the fact that she was found in this water tank uh, and the lid was on top of it, so she couldn't have got in there herself. And then they got to the end and were like, oh, also, we forgot to mention the first episode, but she had serious mental health problems, and actually when they found her, the lid was off, so she probably got in herself. Oh, that and seems they, like that would have been important to include in the very beginning of your story. Yes. But no, it took like four mm. episodes together. Uh, and there's that. And then, yeah, and Stowaway is a really good example of this, which I always think is interesting because it's it's hard sci-fi, so the gist of the movie is is like three People are going to going to Mars. They're in the spaceship. They launch off, and it turns out that some a mechanic and engineer on it got injured and trapped in the ship before they took off. And then they find him, and they're like, "Oh no! Now we don't have enough air to get there." Um, and usually, I'm super into these. This is like very much my my thing. I like people watching people like try and hack together like solutions in space and uh, like make these really complicated decisions and stuff. But they basically 
they telegraph the first decision immediately and go like, well, we can't all make it. And it's like, cool, so so you're going to pick one oh. of them to die. Cool. Then they go, oh, no, we've got some algae. We'll grow the algae. Oh, the algae died. Yes, okay, one of us has to die. They do a big stunt at the end where they, like, climb across a... Actually, the only one interesting bit of it was that they had the... The idea was that their, their living quarters were on one end of an extremely long wire, and then the uh, fuel and stuff was on the other end, so you could cross it, uh, but the, it was rotating as it went, if that makes sense. Okay, yeah. So, it was so, so when they were in their part of the shuttle, they had uh, gravity, and the other end it had gravity, but in the middle it had none. So basically they, ah. they had to climb these poles, uh, and as they climb the poles, the gravity gets less and less until they can eventually just like pull themselves across, and then at the other side the gravity like kicks back in again. I was like, that's a cool idea. Haven't seen that before. But the rest of it is just, it's just awful. It's one of the worst movies I've ever seen in this format. <laughs> and it's, it's annoying because it's the exact format of something I should like. And I got like an hour into it because I was like, oh, it's a Netflix original. Like they, you know, they have good taste and stuff. And then realized I was like, I hate this. I hate, this is bad. I know what's going to happen <laughs> here. I know what's going to happen here. No, like the act, the actors are good and not, like it's got Daniel Day Kim in it and Anna Kendrick and like some other people who are like decent. Well, every hard sci-fi movie now requires the pale space redhead. Yes, that's so true. it's either Jessica Chastain, Anna Kendrick. Like, there's always like that woman who yeah. has red hair in your hard sci-fi film. I don't know why. I think it's from The Martian, maybe, but I feel like it even predates that. I, well, I think The Martian had two. Yeah, that's that's because The Martian was good. You can tell yeah. how good the hard sci-fi is <laughs> based on how many pale white ladies with red hair there are in it. I yeah. have something big I need to tell you. And I've been okay. waiting for the show to tell you because yeah. I'm very excited to talk about it. All right. I not only watched it once, I then immediately watched it again. I have seen Tenet. Oh, okay, right, yes. So I watched this, what, three or four months ago? <laughs> I have finally seen Tenet. I, uh, yes. And I was into it. What did you think? I fucking love it. <laughs> I love <laughs> that movie. I I thought it was awesome. I mean, I think the creative choice of making some of the scenes completely inaudible was very strange. <laughs> and, like, I used subtitles to watch it both times, which made things easier. Uh, I thought it was great. I I I sort of half subscribed to the fan theory that um, spo- tenant spoilers, but I half subscribed to the fan theory that um, uh, Robert Pattinson's character is the son of the of the main woman. Oh, I like that. I like that. Yeah, I um, I thought. I thought the plot was great. I thought I thought it was great. I just thought it was a great movie. I think it's maybe one of my favorite Christopher Nolan movies now. It's up there. I thought it was really good. It pulled off an incredibly complex premise pretty well. Like Yeah, when you finally get to like the second half of the movie where they're going to be like Okay, you understand how this works now. Now let's get fucking weird with it. And yep. they get really weird with the reverse entropy like thing. I was like, yeah, this is awesome. This is so cool. Yeah. Um, I don't know why people were like so. I, it wasn't that hard to understand. Like if you've seen any time travel movie in the last fifteen years, like it's a pretty basic idea. The past is being hunted by the future. I mean, there is an interesting moment that kind of they're both happening simultaneously. That is a little bit weird to get your head around. And like there is, yeah, there is a fair point that I still do not totally understand what happened in the opening scene but i think that was sort of the point okay i do, do you, um, no you think you do i think i do which is the so neil is sent to kiev who the fuck is neil robert patton's oh okay right he's Sorry. sent to kiev from the future to make sure that the protagonist is not killed in kiev okay yeah so All right. he, he's the one who shoots the reverse bullet in the opera house. Right. Which means that at one point there are like five different Robert Pattinsons running around. I also think that Robert Pattinson is not linear in that movie. And I think everything makes a lot more sense when you realize that we are meeting different Robert Pattinsons from all over time. Yes, because he is basically doing a uh, – yeah, he's doing a, a time – a weird time thing. Yeah, I think that like the, the Robert Pattinson we meet in India is like totally crazy and also probably not the same – Robert Pattinson that is then in Oslo later on. Or if they right. are, they're, it's not in that order. I, I just think there's a whole, like, I haven't been able to map it out myself, but like, I love that movie. I love that movie. It's great. It's a, it's a really <laughs> fun movie. And it, you know, it does whatever, what I want every single action movie to do, which is do a thing that I've not seen before. That's all I want. 
it was like I mean, it, maybe it's just like the feeling of experiencing a story that doesn't involve like lore and like a bunch of like intellectual property. But I really enjoyed <laughs> like an original story as a movie. I, I liked that. Oh. It was funny. It was interesting. And yeah, uh, I think talking of action movies, we should head over to our other podcast now. Speaking of how much I love intellectual property and how much I love lore, we're going to talk oh, about. Wait, I have one really important thing to say. What's that? On Monday, uh, the UK is hitting the pretty much last stage of unlocking, mm-hmm. uh, which is is you're allowed to eat indoors again in restaurants, all this sort of stuff. There's just a few things left over, which doesn't unlock until June. It is precisely since the UK locked down on March 23rd last year, 420 days. That's awesome. Congratulations, right? Luke. Is that not That's the best great. thing? That's so great. Yeah. Wow. Congratulations. So, so That's amazing. That. That's, that's something really special. That's amazing. Yeah, it is. It's really special. Thank you guys for listening to the show. Uh, head over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash thecontentminds. I put show notes there. I put interviews with uh, people uh, from the side channel Discord there. And I put exclusive episodes for patrons there. We do a movie club called Post Post Credit Scene. We work our way through different franchises and talk about them. We are currently doing that with Fast and the Furious. And so now we're going to go over to our other show, Post Post Credit Scene, and we're going to talk about Furious 7, which fucking ruled. And I cried. <laughs> Let's do it. I, I cried at the end of it again. So, okay. Uh, we'll see you over there. And uh, thank you guys for listening. And goodbye. Bye.